How much time do you have for yourself on Saturday and Sunday that was not working every minute? Tell me the truth. A lot, a lot. I know, so that's the punchline, right? Now imagine this, yeah. when I tell you this, you spent more downtime on not your career this weekend than I did in my entire 20s combined. Oh shit. Okay. Right, so passive income is one of the most important tools in our journey towards financial freedom. Here are six passive income ideas in under 60 seconds. Let's go. Open a free account with an online broker and put some of your savings in the stock market. Is the only solution starting a YouTube channel or starting a business or monetizing your passion and fighting capitalism with capitalism? I think it is. And welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. My name is Sean Morley. And I am Jack Lewis Evans. Today, we're going to be talking about hustle culture and how people try to extract themselves from the rat race of labour commodification. Work is a prison. Any economics professor will tell you there are but two routes of escape, adult mode and baby mode. Today, we compare the two and come to some, dare I say, obvious conclusions. Only babies exist outside the framework of capitalism, and the curious case of Benjamin Button is a primary anti-capitalist text for the coming generation. Of course, if you're not yet a baby and would like to use your adult bank account to support the pod, why not wire us something to patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party to unlock a cloister of bonus content. And if you are an actual bona fide adult but have nary a florin to your name, then we also accept praise and recommendations on social media. Though, have to stress, adults only. I do not want babies recommended the podcast. Sean, just before we get into this, do you think, do you think it's a good idea to be leaning into this adult baby joke so much? Like it's, We're mostly talking about the social construction of adulthood in economic terms and the sort of surveillance culture brought about by the idea of hustling. Is it, is it, should we just be leaning into the adult baby thing? It's a kink, but it's also like a kink subculture with a strong emphasis on, on like shitting. Well, I just thought it'd be like a funny theme for the, like the intro yeah. read in, I, I, don't, I don't know, know if people will be thinking about diaper play. I think it's just, babies are f- funny, you know? Do we want that in people's, do we want people thinking about like a, a 48 year old builder called Paul in a nappy? I don't know. I don't know if they will do that. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Sean. Oh, Sean. It's okay, Sean Morley. It's just a podcast. Little Sean Morley. It's just a pod. Happy again. Happy again. 
Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Um, here's a word I dislike. Okay. Adulting. Ooh, yeah, okay, because adulting... Okay, am I going to res- respond with my take straight off, right? <laughs> yeah, drop a take, Sean. Yeah, shooting from the hip here. Is that adulting, <laughs> adulting disguises the huge amount of responsibilities laid mm-hmm. onto an individual, mm-hmm. but it frames it completely and implicitly, very, very disguisedly, as an individual failing, as yeah. though these millennials, uh-huh. which we are, us uh-huh. millennials have failed to self-actualize in the same way that the previous generation <laughs> did because we can't look after a household and do y- y- two yes, jobs yes, yes, as an individual. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So fail to self-actualize. Obviously, it's very infantilizing to use the term adulting. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing about it is I think that the people who use it are not necessarily boomers, patronizing millennials. It tends to be like a certain very specific kind of like middle-class millennial writing a BuzzFeed article. But so we all know the, 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 the idiom of like, you become more conservative as you age. Mm-hmm. If you dig down and think, okay, what is, what is growing up? What is becoming an adult? The key symbols of adulthood are the symbols of capitalism and being a, mm. good, being a good cog in the capitalist machine. Home ownership, get that mortgage, get on the housing ladder, g- learn to drive, have your own separate car. Mm. These are also things that um, make your parents gleeful if you achieve them. Make sure your credit rating is good. Start investing, sort out a pension. Uh, I don't know, do a weekly shop. Like the things that are adulthood are mm-hmm. things that, 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 that capitalism needs you to do to keep ticking over. Millennials are denied these symbols of adulthood, not because of any individual choice, but because of basically economics. They can't afford to be an adult by these metrics mm-hmm. the clear most common thing where people would point to and be like this is a, this is this is adulthood is having a child yourself mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is also a thing that millennials increasingly put off and put off and put off why not necessarily because of indi- sometimes because of individual choice we spoke about this in the podcast before but but to an extent because it is hard to do financially when i think of adulting i think about people who struggle they do their job right yeah. and their job or jobs increasingly yeah, yeah. always takes precedence and mm-hmm. so all exactly. the small things that come with looking after yourself and looking mm-hmm. after the household, yep. they are the first to be jettisoned. So you're like, everyone feels imposter syndrome because yeah. they're like doing this job and everything goes into like, I cannot let the job suffer because yep. that's my income, that's my yep. life, that's actually part of my identity. Yep. But I can't find time to mow the lawn and the, the food I eat is junk and you know I need to hoover this carpet, but I, I'm so tired all the time that I don't do it. And therefore I'm not an adult because <laughs> in my head I can imagine like 1950s nuclear families where yeah, like yeah, every yeah. speck of dust has been vaporized. <laughs> right, so we've got the, the economic changes which have made yeah, yeah. it harder to like live and work just enough that you can continue to like keep a hold of your environment and self yeah yeah, yeah. But, the, but the other really important concept is wives right yeah, i think a yeah, key yeah, component yeah, yeah, of this yeah. whole thing is wives having uh, a wife or being a wife is yeah. a key component of adulthood i was introduced to this thing mostly through academia my partner's uh-huh. an academic yeah and you know publish or perish everyone needs to be putting out papers writing researching and there's this question of like how are these men especially these mm. older men mm. 
working at such a huge rate. Mm. It's because they're not doing any of that other stuff because they have a wife. Do you know what I mean? The wife's also, like, not just the household. She's doing, like, administrative secretarial proofreading work for free. She's doing the adulting. She's doing the adulting, and then he can be an adult while living like a child. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the boomer nuclear family. You get to be an adult while actually being an adult baby. The adult <laughs> baby takeover is back on. <laughs> and so what's happened here is that women have entered the workforce. Just yeah. want to say in, in big uh, parenthetical capitals, that's a Great. good thing, right? Thumbs yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make that super clear. But of course that means that the uh, amount of labour being put into into the economy from mm. the population has doubled. Yeah. And yet the amount of money coming back out doesn't actually now, now that that's become the norm, mm-hmm. it wouldn't really allow for someone to bundle off into a nuclear family where only one of the couple does the work because yeah. that's no longer even possible. So this conservative mm. family ideal that we're supposed to come back to that is like regarded as the perfect Protestant, Christian, white middle-class way of living is economically impossible as it well. It only existed for a very small group of people for, what, a couple of decades? But it's the metric everyone's measured against. And it means that everyone, an entire generation of people, have in, an imposter syndrome that they feel, mm-hmm. even though it is felt by an entire generation of people, right? It is so yeah, yeah, ubiquitous. Yeah. Everyone conforms to the same standard, no one really is doing adulting. Everyone talks about an inability to do adulting as though there is something that's... Who is achieving it then? And how can mm. we all be imposters if no one's doing it? Economics mm. will put you in a position where you are treated like a child <laughs> well into your 30s because it's still expected that you'd be like in some higher rung of your life. Mm. Because even though it's been like a good decade since the 2008 crash, there's just been no... <laughs> accounting for the fact that like the normal systems by where people accrue certain amounts of wealth at certain points in their life is completely not functioning Uh, you've had a decade to think about this and so you've got people like myself who Mm -hmm. i live in like i look for cheap rents in a big city Mm -hmm. and i've forever been locked into like student accommodation or student Mm -hmm. adjacent Mm -hmm. accommodation with landlords that only know how to talk to you like you are 19 years old Yeah, 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 yeah yeah They, they only know how to talk to you like you're a child and therefore they mm. treat you with this kind of maternalism, even though, mm. like, you know, with some of them, I'm closer to your age <laughs> than, <laughs> than you are to the people that you are normally renting to. Or even when you were kind of, you're working in an industry, but you're still like going for starter jobs and starter pay, even though you're in your 30s, you've actually technically been in this industry your entire adult life. Can I just briefly so, give you a piece of information that's going to chill you to your core? I'd love to be spooked. Thank you. I have a friend who has a landlord that is not only younger than him, but visited the house to do an inspection by skateboard. Wow! Teen landlord. <laughs> not not teen, but like kind of like a... Baby landlord. Like an emo, um, you know, like skateboard, big circle e- earring that's in the bottom of your ear. Do you remember like a bit oh, new wow. metal? Yeah, and they're yeah. really out of fashion now. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly yeah. out of fashion, mid twenties. Not in North Wales, mate. Teen. No, new metal lives on in North Wales. Yeah, new metal never dies. Yeah, it just goes to real. <laughs> <laughs> mate, skateboarder landlord, grinding around the kitchen counters. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to fog the vibe, but rent is due. Uh, I'm leaving my skateboard here, and I'm putting it on the inventory, so you can't get rid of it. <laughs> 
I've also seen TikToks. You know how like landlords have been like telling on themselves in TikTok, TikTok which yeah. is passive income. But TikToks of tenants finding out that their landlord also just lives with them and they just thought they were friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen our landlord? Oh, yeah, that's me. Do you want a smoothie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever noticed that I don't have a job? <laughs> You're my job. <laughs> so there's the annoying BuzzFeed version of like adulting and the other strain of the virus i've seen is let's charitably call these people social democrats mm -hmm. doing a different kind of infantilizing where they talk about socialism or or communism or anarchism all being symptoms of a kind of teenage distaste of getting off your ass and doing anything as if you have got like just a personal distaste for something and then built an ideology on top of it because I'm saying charitable to call them social democrats, because what they're doing is they're, they're still equating adult responsibilities with the behaviour expected of an adult under capitalism. So you can't mm. really decouple those things, which, and it's like, well, actually, the things you're expected to do under capitalism, they are objectively adult responsibilities, and you're still going to need to do them. So actually, spoilers we're not don't don't start dreaming of greater leisure time if the greatest argument against like wealth redistribution or an economy where people can like work and afford to pay their rent is that everyone would be a big baby <laughs> sign me then up bring it on yeah <laughs> <laughs> this guy's ready for the soft play area yeah, give me my rattle <laughs> yeah that's an adult baby takeover that I can get on board with. <laughs> I have to say, I keep referencing it, but the Neville Southall's starting <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and then being forced by social pressure to abandon. This is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just a little parenthetical here. Neville Southall, <laughs> Ev Everton goalkeeper, became very socially conscious after like the new younger Twitter left met him halfway after he started posting anti-Thatcher jokes. And suddenly this, like, he's just a stay at home <laughs> old guy now. He was like, what does trans mean? What's UBI? And people are like, we'll tell you all of these things. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. never had someone of your generation just ask questions and want to know the answer. <laughs> but his mind, sadly, it's a sad story. His mind got too open, right? <laughs> his mind went too open. And he had someone who looked after his account and let people do temporary takeovers. I mean, this is a very good practice, right? Mm. He's got a platform and he's letting people with individual issues come and educate people. The Neville Southall account was almost like the tents and sit-ins and teach-ins around like Occupy Wall Street, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a bit too open-minded and that's what led to him going. And then next week, uh, we will be joined by... Someone who works in the adult baby sex work industry to mm. discuss how being an adult baby is a maligned, it should be a protected characteristic and there is bigotry done against adult babies. And everyone had to say, I don't, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and he got really angry. It really yeah. was a turning point for a wonderful era. Um, oh, bless and big Nev. But now here we are years later, advocating for an entire economic system run by fully grown babies. So it just goes to show, as ever, <laughs> politics is downstream of culture. <laughs> <laughs>
So talking about culture and how important it is to shaping behavior, I want to get into the galaxy brain idea of surveillance and how we kind of surveil each other, how we all feel pressure from above, from capital, uh, but also from each other through partly social media systems owned by capital and how that conditions what we do. You know how people get scared of like their phone is listening to them. It's not like a hypothetical conspiracy theory that your phone is a surveillance device. Mm -hmm. It is a surveillance device. Mm-hmm. like that's every time you click accept cookies mm-hmm. <laughs> every profile you have on social media that isn't private is surveillance and to an extent i mean i don't think browsing the web people are worried about cookies and that that necessarily shapes what websites they go to but i think people are conscious of a persona on social media output that has to to some extent be maintained so as to not alienate either a but potential uh, fan base of whatever things they're trying to create that they hope these people will like or mm-hmm. be employers or potential employers. You know, like yeah. if you go for a job now, you're, they're going to rake through your social media, which is normally, you know, like reason one why people go locked on Twitter <laughs> is that they've said something stupid and they're getting yeah. owned. And then reason two is they're looking for a job. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what I've said, but I know that me as me, with what I tend to say is incompatible with me receiving gainful employment in this country. (laughs) (laughs) Which then that functions as a surveillance, right? Because your, Mm -hmm. your life is, is going to be, as you put it out to the world on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever is uh, shaped by uh, like this, this, this audience isn't directly the state, but in many ways you could argue that it's, it's capitalism. Mm. Everyone knows you're supposed to like not be yourself in a job interview and at worst, (laughs) just lie, you know, just lie. What are your interests? Well, I'm not really going to tell you any of my real interests. Working (laughs) hard. Yeah. I love getting a big sweat together, moving (laughs) some of your packages in your warehouse. (laughs) And then they're going to look through your social media and they're going to realise, oh, you're a normal person who Mm. says normal, dumb things. And that sadly is disqualifying. But imagine someone who was the ideal candidate for like a normal boring job that like uh, has a passion for forklift driving or like loves <laughs> loves mate, have, you ever driven a forklift? have you ever driven a forklift i haven't driven a forklift forklift driving rules it is yeah. mad the wheels at the back turn it's the back i've played enough shen mui to know I, I, i've got to the <laughs> Yeah, you have drawn, you've driven a forklift. Then that's it. That's yeah. The and I've raced experience. one. If you get there early, yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> imagine someone who did fit the criteria of what someone was looking for. Given that in these days, what you're uh-huh. you're judged on is not just your aptitude and skill set; it's your personality, it's your team drivenness. Uh-huh. Product you. That kind of person in a real normal social situation mm. would come across as either a robot or uh-huh. a psychopath. Yes, that kind of person would come off as you would feel that something was deeply evil around you. Do you know the way that, <laughs> do you know the way that like, if you're a, like cats hate the undead and stuff. Your blood would whisper to you that you are in danger. Yeah, it'd be a perfectly hot day. They say hello and your teeth start chattering. <laughs> something is wrong. <laughs> They're looking for like blank, psychopathically empty people. Yes. And if you give any indication that you have a beating heart filled with passions, you're gone. You cannot organise my spreadsheet. People talk about like cancel culture or whatever. It's like, do you do you think people who are cl- very clearly on their social media, radical communists or effective union organisers or whatever, do you think that that helps them when applying for jobs? 
Yeah, yeah. You, you would never find out. There, will, there won't be any empirical thing that shows that that's happened on any record no. anywhere, but it will just definitely, definitely be happening. And then you're not going to get a fucking Guardian and Telegraph article to say you were cancelled from getting this job. That's really interesting, right? Because the people who are powerless are yeah. forced to, in quote marks, cancel people publicly yes. where like op-eds are allowed to get angry about it and pull up the tweets whereas powerful people can just cancel people from inside uh-huh, their office uh-huh, uh-huh. and leave no record behind that they have yeah, directly yeah. impacted someone's income, income yeah based on something they said or done or are yeah 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 and also increasingly you just like can't be off it being off it is almost suspicious in itself in somewhere you need to be putting your blandest foot forward it's almost like having a credit rating if you don't borrow you don't have a credit rating. So you have to be putting up the absolute blandest mm, shit you can mm. somewhere to build up a public record that you are, in fact, a normal human and not, in fact, the eccentric little weirdo well, that you actually are. I've said this before, but the, the way... So brands advertise their advertise their product, right? And mm-hmm. the product you are selling to a, to a company is is your labour power, your, your ability mm. to work for them. Your advert, historically, is your CV. But now, it's not just that, is it? It is your brand your fucking persona or whatever so your cv is one part of it that's one one of the adverts that the employer is going to look at and decide if they want to rent your uh, your services mm. uh, but they're also going to look at all this other stuff as well so to an extent that intrudes on you to varying degrees but it's that's one of the things that i think makes people feel increasingly burnt out is this this like almost always being at work because there's just yeah. that it's just in the background of like even things you do to perhaps enjoy yourself are part of the commodification of yourself. Everything digital can no longer be completely disassociated from work. And only small analog experiences, such as touching some Artex, <laughs> or, you know, smelling of pistachio, only that is definitely not work. I touched some great Artex today and I popped that up on LinkedIn. The Artex touching is retroactively yeah, yeah. Well, me on the clock. This is, <laughs> don't you think it's interesting that the whole, this 1960s countercultural revolution was very, very individualist. And that's one of the reasons that the same people, the same generation that were behind the counterculture elected Thatcher and Reagan, which is, you know, obviously generational analysis are very limited, but I think there's still a grain of truth in that, that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of happened sort of 60s stuff was like i hate the man i'm not going to conform i'm going to be this other thing i'm going to express myself as an individual differently and now it's like that is the you know that is what the man wants like the man wants you by which i just mean that you know the kind of the, the various systems of kind of patriarchal capitalism whatever they want you to express your individualism on various platforms so they can nail down exactly who you are as a, a potential worker and exactly who you are uh, as a consumer of goods so that you can be explicitly and directly targeted the most effective advertising to make you the most profit-milkable punter to sell things to you and to uh, make sure they're employing the exact right person so the, the the individual expression which was seen as uh kind of countercultural and revolutionary in the late 1960s is now so assimilated into capital that the radical thing you could do would be to delete all your social media and make sure that when you touch a bit of uh, uh artex so when you touch a bit of artex 
Keep it secret. Don't even release this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're oversaturated with the ability to express ourselves. Previously, those scary depictions of like Soviet conformity, they seem in more and more appealing. I'd love to just wear a jumpsuit. I'd love to live in like an identical, what they call like crust. Khrushchevkias, do you know some <laughs> just identical grey utilitarian block of flats? We're all in the same, all eating <laughs> the same gruel. Great, no profile pictures. But also, it's job done. You know, like if you just obtain your culture from, you're like, oh yeah, that's what it is. We're all a, we're all a jumpsuit guy. Mm. <laughs> it's less work. I'm not saying it's fucking. Good. I'm not advocating it, but I'm just pointing out. It's interesting, isn't it? That like it is a lot of. You know, it it, it it is a lot of pressure people feel to appear a certain way. Well, I remember in my 20s, I've just finished yeah. university. I'm going to try and get a job. I don't know what kind of job. I've got a philosophy degree, so mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But but before that, I looked weird, you know. I had a tendency mm-hmm. to, like, paint my nails. I was in university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had really long hair. I wore stupid clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I wanted we to be like, We did a lot of similar okay. things at university. <laughs> right, right, right. But then also as well, doing comedy, there was, a comp- uh-huh. there was an aspect where I didn't want to be prejudged. Yeah. And be- I wanted to be able to come up and people not really know what I'm going to be about. So if I did something yeah. really weird, it's kind of more impactful. Yes. And so I had in my head, like, just be a chameleonic, generic guy. Uh-huh. You're, you're in this yeah. privileged position where uh-huh. you could fade into a crowd. Yes. Try and get something that can do that. And I remember that being a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm. Because what you need to do to blend into a crowd is changing constantly. Yeah. And I learned there is a whole group of men men who really don't give a shit about how they appear but just don't want to be don't want to stand out yeah yeah that are constantly like moving to get into this goalpost that the fashion industry's yeah. always shifting yeah, while yeah, telling yeah, them yeah. you're expressing yourself and they're going no I'm I'm working as hard as I can to, to be generic opposite. yeah I want to be just a generic guy and you're saying I'm expressing myself and keep changing what I got to do just let me wear a fucking flannel shirt I bought five glasses frames in five years yeah I just want the normal thick black glasses flannel shirt jeans let me stick with that no yeah. sorry let me be my 2007 now. self <laughs> yeah forever <laughs> can't do it you have to express yourself by copying this new thing we've brought <laughs> For a while, I performed in pyjamas, and I felt that was quite neutral, although a little wacky. <laughs> but nice pyjamas, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a big connoisseur of the nice pyjama. What do you sleep in? It's going to be something um, awful and crass, isn't it? It's going to be just balls out. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. No, um, no, no. I, yeah, that or boxes. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it was just obvious from no idea. Me. <laughs> I wear nice PJs. You're a fancy lad. Well, the, it, you can get I'm straight out of bed in the nice PJs. You can get straight out of bed and you can answer the door. I'm no. answering the door in the morning. Fuck that. Not answering the door. Come back. I'll come back if it's important. No, they don't. They, if they can't get this parcel to you now, they're going to hoy it into the budlier. Oh, the abyss. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's not worth it. I'll take the I'll take the hit. Take the hit of being sitting in your pants or accidentally falling oh, down the no, stairs or no, trying to no. put a shirt on. I'll take the hit of not getting up. Oh, yeah. You are a beast. have you heard of i don't dream of labor i'm an ignorant pig in this matter i'm a swine staring into the abyss glassy-eyed 
I think no, you could be you could be a, a wonderful pony in a verdant meadow, and I'm trying to lure you into the big city to show you an interesting kind of bin. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not race to the bottom anyway. about who's in the muck and who's pure. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm a half pig, half pony. Jump on and take me to your bin. Yeah, you're a kind of ill but well-meaning quadruped that's only known astroturf. Yeah, yeah. and I'm taking you to but a I've different kind of enclosure. Yeah, you've been eating the astroturf and you've got brain damage (laughs) (laughs) you're like you think i'm a unicorn but that's just a huge piece of green plastic jabbing out of my pig brain yeah you haven't had any for a few years but every time you do a particularly deep breath a few shards come out like green glitter (laughs) (laughs) so i don't think of (laughs) late too difficult to go back in after that no just Go, yeah, go in, go in. <laughs> so there's this sphere of influencers or like content creators yeah. across different, you know, the platforms people make stuff uh-huh. on. And there is this subgenre called like alternative self-help. Mm. That is, you know, your, your main self-help is like nonsense Americans who talk like mm-hmm. they're blasting through your soul in a super church (laughs) telling you if you really clutch at your brow you could become a millionaire whereas these are people who are a bit more switched on some of them can be like do you know that kind of liberalized capitalism skepticism Mm -hmm. which is like oh it's bad because capitalism anyway here's how to start your own business and rip off your employees (laughs) but it's like you've acknowledged the problem and that in your head is as good as doing anything useful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But there's this been this trend called I Don't Dream of Labour, which is at its very core, at the very acorn in the middle of its beating heart, is sort of interesting. Which is, you know, these are a lot of them are influencers. Mm. And a lot of them are realizing and communicating the idea I neither have nor want a dream job, because a dream job is still a job. And I don't dream of selling my labor. Right. That's interesting. That is an inch. And then from that, that has splintered off into a million people thinking their thoughts. Mm. And I'll tell you where it's tended to go and where mm. it sadly is not tended to go. It's not really a story with a happy ending. Oh, because no. I think a lot of these people have gone, <laughs> you know, you know, when people like are almost there, yeah, you know, yeah, when they're yeah, almost yeah. there, but they don't <laughs> quite make the last and most radical yeah. step. So they go, okay, work is bad because I'm alienated from what I make and also I'm like a slave to capital. I still need to grind parts of myself to dust so that Mm -hmm. I can keep my mortal form Mm -hmm. alive. Mm -hmm. So how do we solve that? Do we uh, recognize that this is a structure that doesn't work for anyone to change it? That's not what they do. They go bonkers on, I'll just get loads of passive income. And then I won't need a job. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Yes, yes. I've seen this shit. You know, you talked about the kind of mainstream hustle people. The big guys, like people like Gary Vee, the kind of totally nuts uh, American hustle guys who are preachers of the the ideology of modern capitalism, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In that they probably believe what they're saying, much like a lot of the uh, preachers of organized religion in like medieval Europe did. They probably do actually believe what they're saying but also what they're saying is a very important means of control uh what hustle culture says is that you should be like working all the time like i don't know 26 hours a day Mm -hmm. and you should feel guilty anytime you're not working because that's like wasted time 
And what it does is it says, it explains why you're poor. You're poor because you don't work hard enough and explains why the rich are rich, which apparently is that they've just worked way harder than you. Which they've actually is the opposite. a billion times harder than you. Yeah, yeah. Which is the opposite of and fucking boy, reality. their arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos needs to lie down. But the, the, the reality of it, of course, is the opposite in that capitalism thrives off the labour of others and depends upon the exploitation of the labour of others. And your work, it's an ideology that makes you guilty for, for any relaxation because by necessity, it needs you to work and it needs you to work yourself mm. to the bone in order to generate profit, which is what capitalism as a system. That is what the alternative self-help people are trying to become. They're kind of trying to become little capitalists. Kind they're, of. Trying, they're trying to become, you know, if you if you can live on passive income, it's not fucking passive income, is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. If it's, Someone's if it's, doing if it's, something if it's, active somewhere. Exactly. If it's rent, then that person who lives in that property is doing the work and then you're parasiting off them. You're extracting value from, from their work. If it's investing in the stock market as a whole, you're creaming off the work, the labour, which is very fucking active, of millions of people. It's interesting because it's 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 an evolution of a very similar idea because you've got your like mm. late 20th century self-help yeah. which is like look around you you're living in the dirt you got to run harder you got to go faster <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and somewhere along the line you know this new evolution is going well that promise is a lie right work <laughs> sucks work sucks and so hustle culture you know the hustlers yeah. And I guess even to like some degree like people who go into like petty criminality yeah, 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 these yeah, are yeah. all people who are like Work fucking sucks and it can't be made to be good. And it so does let's suck. do something else. Work it does, does suck, suck. Because your work, you know, even if you technically, even if you momentarily draw, draw some joy or pleasure in what the actual tasks you're doing, the value you create goes to them. Mm -hmm. So that's bad. And also, you don't have any democratic power. You're alienated both in terms of the total lack of control you have over the labor you do, other than choosing who exploits you. And that exploitation of the value that so you're alienated in both those ways that is shit isn't it so going mm. oh you know there's a way to escape this is a pretty rational that's why people want to become self-employed although self-employed now means the fucking gig economy it's not you're your own boss it's almost everyone is your boss now Everyone's everyone you talk to is your boss yeah everyone you talk to is your boss you've got a million bosses including yourself yeah, I'm one of them and I'm the angriest. <laughs> <laughs> You're the angriest and most tired. Yeah, yeah. I can't hide from this one. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing about self-employment, the boss-worker relationship, which is a class conflict, is put mm. inside yourself, which is one of the reasons that self-employed people struggle with mental health issues more. Oh, shall I phone in, shall I pull a sickie? I know you're just resting so that you can be well rather than hitting the minimum possible amount of health in order to do more work. It goes both ways, right? If you end up with mental health problems or have just neurodevelopmental issues, yeah. you don't fit very well in traditional workplace. But then, of course, you develop worse problems yeah. because you've had to put the uh, yeah worker-employer conflict as two personas, two wolves inside of you, <laughs> endlessly fighting. Inside the ultimate grifter, the um, the hustler, yeah. they must have nine wolves inside them. And they become oh, yeah, unknowable yeah, yeah, yeah. Rubik's Cube people uh -huh. where, do you know how on social media, we said earlier, you have to like put your best foot forward. Mm. There's no concept of like real talk of like, can we just talk like, 
can we talk normally now? Like, you're not at a show, you're not doing anything. <laughs> I've just met you in like a completely unassuming. There's, there is no inner self. They're like a Rubik's Cube in that the Rubik's Cube has no centre cube. <laughs> There's just different <laughs> patterns that are always interlocking. Each cube is a wolf. Each cube is a wolf fighting for domination. <laughs> I'm not even touching this Rubik's New Cube. Rubik's Cube from the makers of Beyblade. <laughs> Take out the other cubes. <laughs> There's some people that are so into this kind of hustle culture. Hustle mm. culture plays two things at once, right? We've met a lot yeah. of hustlers. Oh, fucking hell. The comedy circuit's chock full. And so often it's like, yeah, I'm like top of the world right now. I'm just getting money left, right and centre. And I go, oh, well. I was going to offer him some work, but he doesn't need it, right? Because he's doing fine. He might even be out of my price range. But obviously, if they're lying, yeah. you've just the very thing you've done to get work has lost you work here because you're you're placing yourself outside of actually where you are in your career. Yeah, and you're yeah. not going to get the thing where you want to be, but you should at least be getting work at the place where you realistically are. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're sort of alienated your peers. You're pretending you're you're doing these things that don't exist, and it obviously isn't going to help you. <laughs> I had someone tell me, look, my worst thing that I was associated with hustle culture, mm-hmm. someone was going, yeah, so I'm just like taking the career really seriously now. And, you know, I've decided I'm only going to have a conversation if it's someone who I think I can get a gig from what? or someone that's going to help my career. And then oh, he went, so, by the way, can I have a gig? And I'm like, <laughs> no, you've just told me that we're not friends and you're not interested in talking to me. You've just told me you're only interested in talking to anyone if they're going to pay you. And I find that really offensive that you don't like talking you to me for any other reason. So I'm not going to work. Like, it was so stupid. I'll yeah. tell you after the recording who that was. <laughs> oh, yeah, for one, yeah. And of course, if you're listening, I still remember. <laughs> I think that happened in, I don't know, that happened in like 2017. <laughs> I still remember that. That was the most socially inept move I've ever come across. <laughs> I think the comedy circuit, especially the lower rungs of the comedy circuit where the desperations turned up to absolute fever pitch. Well, this is this is where this is why people get an agent, right? Because it outsources. Mm. I can I can totally see the appeal. What it does is it outsources the horrors of self promotion to someone else. Self promotion feels vile, and that's why doing a self promotion swap is the most expedient thing you can do, mm. especially mm. at a live festival. Yeah. I will advertise your show, yes. and you advertise my show. Yes. No one's banging a drum with their own name written on it, so no, no. one feels like they've sold their soul. In comedy, comedy is hyper-individualistic. But within Mm. that, you will find so much cooperation. People are helping each other endlessly. The amount of help we all received Uh, when we were completely new, older acts would go, not seeing you around, is this your first show? Here's what you want to do. And sometimes they're a bit like an uncle kicking the wheels of a tyre and giving you loads of received wisdom that's not actually going to help you. But You're doing the gigs, lad. You're doing the gigs. Here's the next gig you want to do. Paddy's (laughs) Mirth Shed. (laughs) <laughs> it will pay you by check the check will have the number zero on it you know even if some, some of it's not helpful there's so much cooperation within what is in a hyper individualistic rat race yeah. of uh industry but these hustlers they they can't they cannot right mm. they cannot help because they've internalized the competitive nature of this industry so much they are just out to grab and get anything they can. And there's no, like, getting through to them. And they lose friends constantly. They, like, spiral out. Unless it's, they're effective. Really grim. I think there's probably people who are know what they're doing and are very cynically doing it, and they're doing it scarily effectively. You can't underestimate those people. What we're talking about is the people who are trying to be hustle people who fucking suck at it. And those people, Those people are funny. 
The former was kind of scary. Yeah, because of course the true hustlers, the true hustlers are always advertising themselves with like, I know this is a bit cringe, but my agents asked me to push this thing, and, you know, have to do this. And it's like, yeah, I get that. You know, you must be under a lot of pressure. Yeah. They're the true ones. They're the they're masters, like, they're galaxy brain. Undetectable. Yeah. yeah, dark matter. <laughs> Every yeah. wolf is going in the same direction. All the wolves agree. <laughs> Watch out. That's like when someone unlocks, you know, like, we only use 10% of our brain. But sometimes all the wolves agree. <laughs> Just going back to the I don't dream of labour alternative self-help people. Yeah. But they've decided work's bad and they want to escape. And, you know, they've they've moved away from the promise that they need to do, like, individual betterment to get there. Mm -hmm. And they've gone, I just need to hack it. And the problem is, is that the paradigm we live in is, like, every time you try to hack work by just not doing work in the standard traditional way, work gets harder for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, w work, but every time you don't do it normally, it gets faster. <laughs> Because obviously once you become someone else that's just extracting, then everyone else just has to work harder because now there are more people trying to extract from you. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose also, you know, if the same way if you're just going to actual criminality, you have mm, just mm. taken from people who now need to work harder to make up for the shortcomings. Here's, here's a fucked element of the, the hustle culture thing of, of like, it's work in itself is exhausting, right? Do you know what's even more exhausting? The performance of like loving work. Mm. Which, like, certainly I know from my own experience in teaching that that is like, it's it's a fucking epidemic of people talking about, you know, trying to be the earliest in, the latest to leave. It comes back to, you know, the, you know, the idea of like, do what you love, mm -hmm. do what you love. That has two, that has two toxic, horrific outcomes. Horrific outcome one is the commodification of your hobby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I no things, longer love the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you try to transform the thing you enjoy for leisure into a side hustle. I mean, the fucking concept of a side hustle is basically redundant now because people basically are just doing like side hustle. There's no primary hustle. Yeah, yeah, there's no yeah. primary hustle. It's not like supplementing, it's necessary, right? That's kind of functional of itself. But the second thing is that like you you perform loving your job because you're supposed to do what you love and it, surely everyone in industry is only in it because they love it rather than they just need money <laughs> mm -hmm. because we live under capitalism and the only way you can get the food from the shop is by giving the people money, giving the machine money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So you have to perform like loving the job and then that expresses itself in its, obviously there's the whole like interview stages of that that's fucked, but there's also, I think real toxic work cultures come out of that of like, uh, a kind of the emotional labor of being a workaholic, even if, yeah. so there's like actually being a workaholic, which a lot, but I think is a problem in and of itself. And then there's people pressured by their peers to either also be a workaholic or appear to be a workaholic. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this like self-surveillance thing of like hustle culture doesn't just affect you yourself because it becomes a, a means of control on you to make you feel guilty when you are relaxing because you could be working mm -hmm. you could be working on yourself as a as a commodity you could be watching youtube tutorials to get better at something you could be doing research to understand something better because you're you always need to be improving yourself because you are a commodity for capital right there's there's that but then there's also like the surveillance of each other the surveillance isn't like just your boss coming and looking over you it's mm -hmm. like 
the expectations. It's everyone around you. It's your your social media feed. It's your work colleagues that are on the same level as you. Uh, And hustle culture, I think, amplifies and encourages behaviors that almost make people surveil themselves and surveil each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your boss now in 2021 is probably less likely to have some awkward conversation with you where they imply that you're lazy or not working hard enough because your colleagues have guilted you into that situation. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And isn't it mad that like we're in this like horizontal peer surveillance culture yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like mostly reified and organized in the kind of pointless industries like marketing snickers bars to the 60s and it's not used to be like tell people to stop littering or stop fly tipping or just (laughs) get people to stop doing things that are very socially damaging get people to stop wearing their masks on their chin (laughs) it's entirely used to make sure people are looking at their computer screen smiling while doing nothing That's where the energy's going. Well, and then if you look at the the, the hustle culture people specifically, the things they, the work they encourage people to do is become a fucking landlord, invest, so become a landlord with more steps, or drop shipping on Amazon, which is just like... Or or, crypto. Or crypto, or do the same thing that the, the, the social media hustle people are doing anyway, which is pedal bullshit to a large following. And mm-hmm. the algorithm pushes that, you know, like the algorithm wants to push, you know, the YouTube algorithm wants to push shit that like teaches people how to become successful YouTubers. It doesn't want to push, you know, how to join a fucking union and organize a union that pushes you towards commodifying everything you do, right? So we've been tracking a timeline of different people being disillusioned with the promises connected to work and just the experience of work mm-hmm. and more and more incrementally radical ideas about how much people are making a complete and total rejection of work mm. from people who are going, well, fuck it, I'll just become... Like, I think a lot of these I Don't Dream of Labour people are like, fuck yeah. it, I hate working so much, I will just t- cross the line and become a capitalist because mm. working drains the soul. Why should I do that to myself? And you've got... Spoiler! Um, <laughs> Being a capitalist also drains your soul. <laughs> I think you could go to hell but have a wonderful yeah. material life yeah. before. Great tomb, pimped out tomb. Yeah. I would love a great tomb. I want to be buried in a PS5. <laughs> uh, g- you know, generationally, we have far less social mobility, but mm-hmm. the culture now is so much like anyone could be a millionaire when that is like less likely than fucking ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why that's why we're just that's why people want this opt out, right? Because the, yeah, yeah. the, the promises are broken. The social contract is completely null and void. I've been wrestling with like when people say under UBI people would naturally work because people are naturally inclined towards caring for each other and people are naturally inclined towards productivity. Mm. But I've really just been wrestling with, can we actually not just advocate for a system where it's okay just not to do anything at all? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not anything, not even look after myself and just (laughs) sit at home and die. <laughs> Can that not be allowed? And I'm not depressed. Yeah, why not? I'm probably the happiest I've been in my life. <laughs> I'm not depressed. Honest. I'm not. Don't report I, this. I, I'm so happy. <laughs> I would be. The moment, I can't explain it, but the moment I'm not forced to like go and beg for coin to live, I would just let, I would relax every muscle in my body. My eyes would loll back into my skull. I'd smile and I'd be catatonically like that until the sheer lack of nutrient intake just stopped my heart. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's how I want to go. Then they put you in the PS5. They put you in the tomb. I'd become the UI for a PS5. <laughs> Welcome to PlayStation. Don't work. <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean. The bleak clips at the start of this episode feature, in order, Gary V, Ali Abdal and Lynette Adkins. Because we are S-tier hustlers monetizing our passion, please do consider supporting our work at patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party or by sharing this episode on social media in order to condition the behavior of your peers. Farewell, friend. Till next time.